This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. It's David Noble filling in for Aaron Flint on a Monday morning. I was commenting earlier, what a Monday morning to fill in for Aaron after uh, banks collapse on Friday, another one taken over by the FDC late Sunday, and then the federal government, the Biden administration, the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, doing a bailout and then not calling it a bailout, saying repeatedly, this is not a bailout. We've got the Wall Street Journal uh, editorial board this morning straight up calling it a bailout. Wall Street Journal says the Silicon Valley Bank bailout. Uh, we've got Vivek Ramaswamy, presidential candidate, saying this is a bailout. And look, this whole thing can be taken right back to John Tester and Joe Biden doing blowout $2 trillion spending packages that sparked the inflation, that required the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates, which then hurt the tech sector, which then caused SVB's bonds to decrease in value, which then caused uh, the panic to start, the run to start, all of this stuff happening. And then uh, they come in and, and they, they rescue it. So this is all this all goes back to the inflation that was triggered by John Tester and Joe Biden's spending. Um, now, uh, I think the message here this morning from the from our producer here is a good one, which is don't panic. We've gone through a lot of things here, but there's no reason to panic. But uh, it's definitely um, definitely cause for concern. The markets are going to open here uh, in. In a couple hours, uh, Joe Biden is supposed to be addressing uh, the actions that they took here over the weekend. I've been, I spent most of the weekend reading articles and getting up to speed. We got a bunch of Montana stories and open phones all show long, 406-294-0970 if you want to be on the show. Uh, literally open phones the entire four hours today. So please call in. Let's hear what your take is on all this stuff. We'll get into the details of, of kind of what's happened, what's caused it. Um, the specifics of how all of this all of this works mechanically got a bunch of Montana stories here um, but but basically this all goes back to the inflation problem because the inflation is what caused the Federal Reserve to have to start raising rates and when the Federal Reserve raised rates that made that made it so um, bond holdings at banks like SVB um, decreased in value and so and the reason why is because SVB Silicon Valley Bank, the b bank that collapsed on Friday, and it has now been bailed out uh, by the Biden administration, uh, at least their depositors have, which this is so silly, the way the Biden administration is trying to say, oh, this is not a bailout because the shareholders and, and some bondholders you know, aren't going to be protected. Well, here's the deal. When you protect the depositors, those depositors, those the depositors at SVB are all these millionaires in Silicon Valley that had tens of millions of dollars on deposit at SVB. And when you protect them, guess what? Now there's more money to go to the bondholders and shareholders of SVB. Money's fungible. So to say it's not a, uh, a bailout is, is ridiculous. Everybody calls it is calling it out. But we'll get more into the specifics of that. Open phones, 406-294-0970. This is David Noble in for Aaron Flint.
Well, I think you would be shocked at the lack of support that is provided to the families of fallen law enforcement officers. Thankfully, State Senator Barry Usher out of Billings is stepping up to do something about it. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Senator Usher was telling us about how a family lost uh, their husband, lost a father, a sheriff's deputy, and then they got a phone call. Now you're losing your health insurance. They're trying to fix it. Read more. Go to MontanaTalks.com, full audio uh, and more. Serving the great state of Montana. From the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Huge shout out to Travis for the time after time by Quiet Drive bumper music. I was just mentioning how that little song, that little bit of song is one of the first songs that uh, that was played as bumper music when I first guest hosted and now it, it brings back memories of the radio show so much whenever I hear it anywhere i appreciate it so much it's really special thanks for thanks for the opportunity to be here to aaron and travis and the radio station thanks to all you listeners out there advanced thanks for all the callers 406-294-0970-294-0970 so okay um here's another little funny thing about this silicon valley bank um and uh Stephen Moore and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity have mentioned this. Uh, also saw this mentioned a whole bunch over the weekend by, again, by Vivek Ramaswamy, one of the great GOP presidential candidates. Um, but SVB was one of the most woke banks in the world. And uh, so uh, Stephen Moore uh, brings up this uh, press release here from Silicon Valley Bank, and this is what it says. Silicon Valley Bank commits to $5 billion in sustainable finance and carbon-neutral operations to support a healthier planet. $5 billion uh, to fight man-made global warming. Um, uh, uh, you know, apparently, apparently Silicon Valley Bank hasn't been to Glacier National Park where they had to change the signs because the glaciers aren't gone like they said they would be. Um, I don't, maybe they, maybe these Silicon Valley bank folks need to come, uh, take a trip to Glacier, uh, and go see the glaciers. But, uh, I mean, here's what's crazy about this is that's $5 billion that they put into sustainable, what do they call this? Sustainable finance and carbon neutral operations, 5 billion bucks. Well, the whole thing that started this entire collapse of Silicon Valley bank was over like $2 billion. So Silicon Valley Bank had, had like, they had like $100 billion in uh, long-term treasuries paying like 1.5%. And of course, that was also something that, that the federal government had, had basically told banks, do this, buy, buy these, buy, these are risk-free assets. That's what they were told. I mean, and, and for the for bank capital requirements and, and from the federal government's perspective, you know, U.S. Treasuries are risk free. Every, just buy these. And of course, Silicon Valley Bank um, had so many deposits, they didn't even know what to do with the money. They, they literally had they couldn't lend it out. There's nobody to lend it to. They had they had hundreds of billions of dollars in deposits from all of these tech startups and other tech companies in Silicon Valley. And they didn't know what to do with it, so they bought these long-term treasuries at one and a half percent. Well, when when treasuries are four or five percent, those treasuries at one and a half percent aren't worth as much anymore. Who's who wants to own who wants to own a treasury paying one point five percent when you can go out and you can buy a new one paying five percent? Um, so the the value is tanked, and then they had to do, and then of course, 
Then the, the tech companies were needing to withdraw their money from Silicon Valley Bank because there's no new money coming in. The, basically, the, the startup world, the venture capital world, has basically ground to a halt in a lot of ways. And we've been seeing stories about the tech world and, and venture capital world for the last year um, about how basically it's, it's basically new money has dried up. There just wasn't any new money coming in. So then these, these tech companies, these venture capital firms, were starting to withdraw sort of money. Uh, slowly but surely, they're withdrawing from the deposits from SVB for operations, um, for other things. And so SVBs then had to sell their treasuries to get cash to pay out the deposits. And then when they did that, they took a $2 billion loss. And then it was actually a securities filing with the federal government where SVB, and this is what triggered the bank run, and SVB then notifies the SEC, notifies the public, hey, we sold, I can't remember how many billion, tens of billions of dollars worth of treasuries. We took a $2 billion loss. Because the other weird thing about the bank accounting rules is that when you've got treasuries, when you've got treasuries, um, there's this thing called uh, market uh, held to maturity, HTM, or or held for sale, or something along the line. There's two ways to account for these treasuries on your on your books when you're a bank. If you hold, if you're going to hold them to maturity, you don't have to you don't have to write down the value of them over time because you're going to hold them to maturity. You're going to hold these things for ten years. You're going to get you're going to get your full principal back. You know, at the end of ten years, you, you can just hold them. You don't have to mark the value down. Well, when something like happens here, where all these venture capital and tech startups started pulling money out of SVB, and SVB says, "Okay, we've been accounting for all of these long-term treasuries." as held to maturity and we haven't marked their value down, well, now we have to sell them to get the cash to pay, to pay our depositors. Now, all of a sudden, they take a $2 billion loss. And then they, they were then going to do a, another share sale. They were going to try to raise some new funds to cover this $2 billion loss that they took. And they filed an SEC report, like an 8K. I think, the, I think it was an 8K they filed with the SEC. And then all of the customers of SVB go, whoa, our, our bank... Our bank just took a $2 billion loss, had to sell all these um, treasuries, and now um, is trying to raise $2 billion. And that's what triggered the bank run. All the customers started wondering about this. Um, the stock value collapsed 60% on Friday. All the SVB customers started initiating all these withdrawals. There was, like I think, like $50 billion of, of withdrawals done in one day in the last week. And then that's when the FDIC... The, F the Federal Reserve, the U.S. Treasury, um, all kind of working together. Um, and that's that's what's so weird about this whole thing is like those three are supposed to be independent. But then yesterday, all three of them working together put out their statement on what's going on. But they spent $5 billion on wokeism, and this whole thing only cost them $2 billion. It was $2 billion of a loss that triggered this whole thing. Meanwhile, they spent $5 billion on wokeism. pre-workout before I go to the gym because especially after getting up at oh dark 30 to be on the radio if I'm going to go work out in the afternoon I need a little extra boost to get a better workout so I buy Montana made 
uh, pre-workout. Yeah, it's made at All American Pharmaceuticals, Dr. Jeff Galini, uh, which is the old uh, Kmart in the Billings Heights. Their stuff is in GNC stores and all these places all over the world. But I buy Montana-made products like that right here in Montana. Kyle Austin has their products, the EFX Sports products, at Farm 406. Uh, so for our listeners in the Billings area, you can drop by 38th and Grand, check them out, get some uh, get some of those products for yourself. Uh, or if you're somebody who you know wants to get your prescriptions. Uh, you can go to Farm 406 as well. Uh, they, they'll drive them to you in the Billings area, or they can uh, mail them to you elsewhere. Uh, check them out, farm406.com, farm406.com. With the Daybreak Ag Report on the Western Ag Network, I'm Lane Nordlund. During the 2023 Commodity Classic in Orlando last week, Western Ag Network had an exclusive one-on-one interview with U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. During our sit-down, Vilsack shared that in the wake of Russia's war in Ukraine, which caused global fertilizer input costs to skyrocket, USDA is announcing more funding to expand U.S.-made fertilizer. We needed to be less reliant on Russia and Belarus for fertilizer and more reliant on American ingenuity and manufacturing. We initially announced a $250 million program. The president directed us to double it at $500 million. Uh, and today, uh, here at the Quantity Classic, we've begun the first uh, set of awards, uh, $29 million being awarded to eight different independently owned businesses in a number of states, Alabama, uh, Colorado, Ma- Massachusetts, uh, Washington, Ohio, uh, basically to produce uh, new ways, uh, different ways, expanded ways of addressing the fertilizer shortage. From crops to livestock, we pressed the Secretary of Agriculture on why USDA has not halted imports of Brazilian beef into the United States after it took Brazil 35 days to report a case of atypical bovine spongiform encephalopathy to world health officials two weeks ago. Uh, on the BSE issue, I think we have to be very, very careful. And why do I say that? Because there are different types of BSE. And when you have an atypical case, as is the case with the Brazilian situation, the World Animal Health Organization basically says that's not a basis upon which you should be restricting trade. We had an atypical BSE incident uh, not too long ago in, in, uh, out west. Uh, and so do we want the rest of the world to stop our beef trade for an atypical case. I don't think we do. We have to be very careful about this particular circumstance and situation and understanding the distinction between the type of BSC that would really cause a significant problem and, and one that does not. For the entire exclusive interview with U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack, visit us online at westernagnetwork.com or on our social media pages. This is Rachel Stevenson inviting you to the Stevenson's Diamond Dot Bulls and Bears production sale on March 14th. This offering features 42 age advantage 18 month old bulls, 114 yearling bulls, 18 two year old bulls, and 45 two year old home raised pairs. Open house at 12 noon, happy hour at 4, followed by the sale at 4.30. Come on out to Tallboys Tavern in Hobson, Montana, or join us online at FrontierLiveSale.com. Taraxa F4C treatment is the only one in the game that gives you the ability to eliminate wireworms. And it also powers up your wheat with unmatched plant health benefits. So you get elite disease control, rapid effectiveness, stress reduction, and extended growth. Which means game over for wireworms and game on for plant health. Only with Taraxa F4C treatment from BASF. Always read and follow local directions. 
Returning back this morning, the deadline for producers to enroll in the Agriculture Risk and Price Loss Coverage Programs is this Wednesday, March 15th at your local Farm Service Agency. During the Commodity Classic last week, I caught up with Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau, who encourages producers to make time and make it into their local USDA Service Center to enroll this week. And it's important to get there and get enrolled in that program. We can't do our PLC payments should the need arise if you're not signed up. So take advantage of the chance to get in there in the next couple days. Visit your county staff. Check in on any other paperwork that you might need to get caught up on. Our county office staff are going to be glad to see you and you'll be taking part to ensure that you don't fall through the safety net. The ARC and PLC programs provide financial protections to farmers from substantial drops in crop prices or revenues. Again, the deadline to enroll is this Wednesday, March 15th. Contact your local USDA Service Center for more. I'm Lane Northland, Western Ag Network. Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. It's David Noble filling in for Aaron Flint. You can find me online at twitch.tv slash lecturefan on Twitter at LCTRFAN. You know, I'm going to check I'm going to check John Tester's Twitter uh, here at the next break, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys know if he has come out in opposition to the Joe Biden bailout of Silicon Valley Bank's depositors. Here, here's, here's, this, here's how silly the reasoning is, okay? So last night, Sunday night, the FDIC, the U.S. Treasury, and the Federal Reserve issue this uh, joint statement where they basically say, we're, we're popping the FDIC uh, limits. So t- normally, a deposit, deposits at a bank are only insured for $250,000. That's the insurance policy limits. I mean, think of when was the last time you all heard of a you, you've got an insurance claim, you got an insurance company. When was the last time you heard? Oh, we don't nah, we don't care about our policy limits. We'll pay whatever. No, that that's not how insurance companies work. Why is the federal government popping its own insurance policy limits? It's 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 truly remarkable to see it happen. Um, but they they come out and say we're gonna we're gonna insure all deposits. And the story has completely changed, okay? So on Friday, and frankly on Saturday, and for most of Sunday, they were saying, look, the FDI took over. Um, if, you have, if you have insured deposits, you'll get that back Monday morning, and then you'll probably get, you know, we'll try to do some kind of a prepayment on the other deposits. Most people probably get about 50% of their deposits back. And then you're going to get a, uh, a certificate of claim or um, an, a certificate of certificate of something. It's basically like a claim on um, the bank and, the, and the, the, this new entity. The FDIC created a new entity to take over the bank. And so you can have a certificate and have a claim on, on the new bank. Um, and then, you know, you'll get paid as we work this out. That's sort of what they were saying until then last night. They said, oh, we're going to insure all deposits. Now, remember, this is Silicon Valley Bank. These are these are uh, venture capital firms and tech startups that had 90% of these deposits are uninsured. These are these are people and companies that had millions, tens of millions on deposit at Silicon Valley Bank. Um, and it's it's so and, and so now the, the federal government. The federal government is coming in and saying we're going to pay back all of those deposits, even if even if there's not enough assets at the bank to cover them all. And most people have been saying from the very beginning that look, 
yeah, they uh, these the, the Silicon Valley Bank assets have dropped. You know, but most most depositors were expected to get ninety percent plus of their deposits back anyway. Because yeah, while while these bond values that Silicon Valley Bank owned have dropped, you know, they, they're not worthless, and so most of it was going to get paid back anyway. But it was more of a timing issue. So now the federal government comes in and says, no, all of you tech startups, all you millionaires and billionaires in Silicon Valley. We're gonna, you get all your money on Monday morning. Every penny you'll get Monday morning. But no, that's not a bailout. Well, we'll, we'll talk about how that actually is a bailout. This is David Noble in for Aaron Flint. News. I'm Lillian Wu. President Biden this morning expected to speak publicly about SVB, the one of the largest banking collapses in decades. In a joint statement by the Treasury, Federal Reserve and FDIC, it reads, quote, depositors will have access to all of their money starting Monday, March 13th. No losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank will be borne by the taxpayer. Fox's Alexandria Hoff, the big winner of Oscar night, everything, everywhere, all at once, which took home seven awards, including Best Picture, Best Actress and Best Director. Top Gun Maverick winning the Oscar for Best Sound before singer Lady Gaga brought the house down performing the original song she wrote for the movie Hold My Hand. Gaga dedicating her performance to Tony Scott, the director of the original 1987 Top Gun film who passed away in 2012. Fox's Jackie Banyas. America's listening to Fox News. Oh, you hate you hate to see you hate to see this line from the Biden administration be just repeated like that with no analysis. No taxpayers will bear the burden of. Yes, they will. Okay, here's what's going to happen. The Federal Reserve. First of all, there's two bailouts, and the Wall Street Journal editorial. I'm not. This isn't just me saying this, by the way. And by the way, I did take I did take banking law in law school, and I took financial accounting for lawyers. But I'm not a corporate finance guy. I'm, I'm not an accountant. You know, I'm not a. I'm not a genius on uh, banking and finance issues, but I know a little bit about it. But it's, I, I'm, I'm just, it's not just me saying, oh, this is a bailout. No, the Wall Street Journal editorial board is calling it a, a bailout. Vivek Ramaswamy is calling it a bailout. Lots of other people are calling it a bailout. And, here, and here's how it's going to work. Okay, the FDIC now is going to have to pay out millions and millions of dollars um, to, the, to these tech and, and VC firms in Silicon Valley who are super woke, super left-wing. 99% of their donations go to Democrats. By the way, huh, I wonder if that had anything to do with this. Do you think the FDIC would pop its own policy limits if this was a Midland Bank in Texas where all the depositors were oil and gas companies? That's an interesting question. I know we've had some, some Congress people raise that question. Um, so the FDIC is going to pay out millions and millions to these woke venture capital and tech firms in Silicon Valley. And then where they would only normally have to pay out 250000 but they're voluntarily, hey, we're going to pay out millions to you guys. And so they'll do that here this morning. Uh, they're all going to get their money back. And then the FDIC is going to increase its assessments on all the banks. And all the, all the banks that have FDIC insurance, which is, I think, pretty much every single bank um, in the United States, then is going to have to pay more money into the FDIC. And what are those banks going to do? Those banks are going to pass it directly onto the consumer, whether it's through fees, a million different kinds of fees, whether it's through paying slightly less interest on, on their deposits. Who, who knows? There are multiple different ways that they can do it. 
but they will pass on every single penny to every single customer of the bank. So if you have a bank account, do you have, if you have a bank account out there, you are paying for this. <clears throat> now, they, they've got this sort of semantics trick where, oh, it's not the taxpayers that are going to pay. Well, most bank, most, most bank customers are taxpayers. <laughs> most taxpayers are bank customers. And the FDIC, um, FDIC assessments on banks. Okay, is that a tax? Uh, it seems, sounds like a tax to me. You've got a government entity. You've got a government, federal government entity taking money from private businesses, banks. That sounds like a tax to me. No, that's not a tax. That's just, that's, a, that's, a, that's an FDIC assessment. This is semantics. These are semantics. You and I, we're paying for this money that's going to these Silicon Valley venture capital startups. Period. That's the end. Of, and John Tester is not saying a word about it, which uh, we can all take as him supporting a bailout of Silicon Valley. David Noble in for Aaron Flint. This is where Montana talks. You're listening to Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. David Noble filling in for Aaron Flint. If you if you look very very carefully at the federal government's statement that they issued last night, um, it, they 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 phrased this very very carefully. They said they said shareholders and certain unsecured debt holders will not be protected. Okay, and that's that's the phrase and statement that they're that they're going off to say that this is not a bailout, that this is not uh, this is not taxpayer dollars going. But but it's it's a little bit uh, disingenuous because you may say, oh, they're not protected. Well, you know, maybe maybe you're not protecting them, whatever that means. But when you take FDIC money, federal government money, and you give it to the bank so that they can pay back the depositors, that means that there's that the rest of their money, the rest of the bank's money, can then be used to pay back bondholders and shareholders. Now, we'll, so we, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I'm convinced that when it's all said and done, we may find, we may hear stories coming out that say, wow, you know, there was there was bondholders to SVB. Um, there were sharehold the shareholders of SVB. They actually ended up doing a lot better than they otherwise would because the bank's assets could be used to pay back bondholders and shareholders. Because hey, we didn't have we didn't have to use the bank's assets to pay to pay back the the depositors because the federal government stepped in and, and and gave everybody their deposits back. You know, that's. Um, that that may happen. We don't know. We don't know yet. But you know the way that they phrased that, the way that the federal government phrased their statement last night: shareholders and bond, and certain unsecured debt holders will not be. Well, what does that mean? Certain unsecured debt holders. So does that mean some of these some of the bondholders are being protected? Um, what's really going on here? This is what the Wall Street Journal says. The Treasury and Federal Reserve stepped in late Sunday to contain the financial damage from Friday's closure of Silicon Valley Bank, guaranteeing even uninsured deposits and offering loans to other banks so they don't have to take losses on their fixed income assets. This is a de facto bailout 
of the banking system. Even as regulators and Biden officials have been telling us the economy is great and there was nothing to worry about. And we've heard that from, from the, Biden, the Biden administration. Everything's great. Everything's fine. No, everything's wonderful. Even um, the unpleasant truth, which Washington will never admit, is that SVB's failure is the bill coming due for years of monetary and regulatory mistakes. And again, this whole thing goes back to John Tester's vote in favor of that $2 trillion spending program. At the, at the very beginning of the Biden administration, they, they, they said we need $2 trillion of stimulus COVID emergency, emergency spending. And, and John Tester voted for that. And, and most economists that are fair-minded will tell you that's what lit the fuse for inflation. There was no runaway inflation before that. And the federal government had already spent many, many trillions and trillions of trillions of dollars on COVID stimulus. Okay, and, and so then they do another $2 trillion in 2021. And uh, guess what? Inflation takes off and inflation goes crazy. And then... Congress never cuts spending, and we had uh, I've seen I saw a couple of videos of uh, um, oh, Senator is it Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, uh, Republican Senator from Louisiana, um, who was talking about how basically Congress needs to step in and help the Federal Reserve get inflation under control because the Federal Reserve can only raise rates. I mean that's really all they can do is raise rates. Congress needs to cut spending. If Congress cut spending, and if Congress had never done that $2 trillion spending package, we wouldn't be having all of these problems at all. And so the, the high inflation required the Federal Reserve to raise rates. The Federal Reserve raising rates caused the bond portfolio values of SVB to tank, also caused the tech sector and the venture capital sector to, to slow down and cause them to start doing withdrawals. And that led to SVB then having to sell bonds, take a huge loss, filed an SEC 8K saying they had a $2 billion loss. They're going to do a, do a capital raise. And again, I go back. They, this whole thing started with a $2 billion loss. And meanwhile, Silicon Valley Bank had spent $5 billion on uh, fighting man-made global warming. You know, maybe if... Uh, and then, of course, Silicon Valley Bank was huge into the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they spent, it appears, instead of, uh, instead of paying smart attention and handling their money right, they were, they were too worried about wokeism and diversity and equity and inclusion and man-made global warming and everything else. So that's where we're at. Um, and... Uh, that that's what triggered all of this, um, and so now we've got now we've got the Federal Reserve as well stepping in and saying we're going to loan banks however much they need, and you can use your treasuries that you hold at par value. Okay, and so par value is basically um, the original principal amount. So these banks, you know, these banks have thirty-year and twenty-year and ten-year treasuries that are paying one and a half percent or one percent or whatever um, that they bought over the, the last four or five years, the, the value of those, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's a $10,000, it's a $10,000 bond because it's going to pay $10,000 in 
30 years and it's going to it's going to you know pay interest o- over time well that bond is, is not worth anywhere near $10,000 because $10,000 in 30 years is is worth like $4,000 today or or whatever it is um depending on the discount rate but um the federal reserve has now said we're opening a new a new lending a new lending facility for for these banks and so all of these banks can now go to the federal reserve and basically get unlimited amounts of funds um, to cover any withdrawals from these banks, and so there, so there's there's basically two pieces of this bailout. One is the FDIC and the Treasury stepping in and, and bailing out these these Silicon Valley Bank depositors, which is then going to help a lot of other people as well. But then also the Federal Reserve opening up a new lending program um, to give and and allow these banks to to use their uh, treasuries as collateral, you know, even though even though those treasuries aren't worth uh, even what their their face value is, but the but the federal government the, or the Federal Reserve is going to allow them to use those as collateral and is going to be able and they're going to be able to use their face value even though they're not worth that. And so it's just it's more it's just more money being pumped into the system, whether it's from the federal government or the Federal Reserve, whether it's monetary or fiscal, it's just more money being pumped in, and we're all going to pay for it. Whether it's through whether it's through higher fees and lower interest rates that our banks are going to be paying us on our deposits, whether it's going to be, um, you know, uh, higher inflation because it's just more money being. Pumped, we're all paying for it. This all goes back to spending. This is John Tester's fault. We all need to recognize that. But the the other interesting thing here, um, and that a lot of people are talking about, is how you know everybody should be thinking about withdrawing their money from their from their banks and putting it into U.S. Treasuries. You've got short term Treasuries right now paying over five percent, and I'm sorry, but you're you're just there's no banks out there that are paying five percent interest on deposits. Even you know even uh, high yield online savings accounts are paying three and a half percent, four percent. But that's the that's the real problem here for the banking sector is you've got everybody out there sort of waking up to this idea of treasuries actually not being a bad place to put your money Um, for years, for decades, for decades and decades. It's been absurd to even suggest buying uh, treasury bonds or treasury bills. Uh, Treasury bills, a short term uh, treasury debt instrument. Treasury bond is a long term uh, treasury debt instrument. But they've paid one percent or less or half a percent or one point five percent for decades and decades. And now over the last year. Those interest rates on those treasuries have gone up to three, four, and now five percent. And so, and those are basically considered risk-free. You know, you got the backing of the the full faith and credit of the United States government backing those bonds. And so, why why wouldn't you put money into into treasuries right now if you've got extra money, if you got money in savings? Um, I mean, the stock market is is a lot of people consider too risky um, and may go down, may go up. I mean, even uh, there was another article I saw this weekend talking about how, um, you know, really, really good dividend paying stocks are now having to compete with these with these treasuries. Um, a good dividend paying stock may pay a four or five percent dividend. Well, OK, that's great. A four or five percent dividend on, the, on a good blue chip stock is great, but you've got a lot of risk associated with that. Why? You could just go buy a, a T bill or a, a, a treasury bond that pays the same five percent, but there's no risk in terms of um, 
in terms of the stock market going down. So that's that's another fundamental problem that the banking sector has right now is people realizing, hey, I can go put my money into a T-bill or T-bond and get that 5% without any risk. That is going to be what's going to happen. 406-294-0970. We'll be right back. Morning Expresso starts right here. It's the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. The fact that they didn't go after Hillary for deleting those emails and and using bleach bit and destroying those devices. That special treatment, that wouldn't happen to all of you listening to this program. I promise you, they actively put their thumb on the scales in 2016. Even when the FBI in early October 2016 went to Christopher Steele, said, here's a million dollars if you can corroborate your dossier, he couldn't collect because he couldn't corroborate. By the end of October, even though he couldn't corroborate it, and they used it as the bulk of information in a FISA application. And remember, it was Deputy FBI Director McCabe that said, well, if we didn't have the dossier, we wouldn't have gotten the FISA warrant. And nobody was held accountable. The Sean Hannity Show, from coast to coast, later today. Do you have more than $50,000 saved for retirement that you can't afford to lose? Biden's pro-inflation White House sent billions to Ukraine, burying U.S. in national debt, while doing nothing to stop inflation and help our own country. Can your retirement survive crippling inflation and growing debt at the same time? If you have $50,000 or more saved for retirement, heed the warnings. Do something to protect yourself now. That's why, right now, thousands of Americans are using an IRS loophole to protect their retirement savings from everything that's going on. So call 855-815-GOLD to get your free IRS loophole kit and see how you could protect your retirement savings while getting up to $10,000 in free silver for doing it. We could be looking at a future worse than 2008. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. today. Call 855-815-GOLD. That's 855-815-GOLD. Demo to 813-813. Broadcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios. Trusted by the Northwest. Montana owned. Online at grizzlygoldandsilver.com. Serving the great state of Montana. From the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. David Noble filling in for Aaron Flint on Montana Talks, 406-294-0970. We got open phones all show long today. Feel free to call in, 406-294-0970. We've spent basically all hour long talking about the Silicon Valley Bank deal and the the Biden administration's bailout uh, of Silicon Valley, and we could keep talking about it and keep going on about it, but I saw this story, which here's an example of how how we are all paying for all of what's going on in Washington DC. Here's a here's a story from Q2. Montanans seeing high hotel prices during the basketball tournaments and I know Aaron Flint last week was um, talking a lot about the basketball tournaments and we got state basketball going on and I always love that about Aaron Flynn. He, he always knows what's going on, uh, pays attention to the small towns in Montana. It's always such a wonderful thing to get that uh, from Aaron Flint. But then I'm, I'm preparing here this weekend, um, and it's basketball tournament time, um, and there's now stories about how expensive it is for these families 
uh, from all across Montana to have to travel and then have to pay outrageous uh, hotel prices. Um, they've got a quote here from Helena resident Camille Van He. She says, it wasn't an option for us to stay there. It was $240 before taxes. It just wasn't worth it. The kids can't even swim there. They're really just there to sleep and get ready and check out early in the morning. Um, she says it was difficult finding a cheap place to stay in Billings. So they ended up staying in Laurel. They got a room in Laurel uh, for... Um, $140 a night. Um, and then it goes on to talk about how um, $500 a night uh, in Bozeman in some places. Um, Bozeman, Butte, and Great Falls uh, are all asking for more than $300 a night. So people can't even, people can't even afford um, to go to these basketball tournaments anymore. You know, 200, 300, 400 dollars a night for a hotel. If you're paying, if you're paying that much money for a hotel, I would expect this to be basically a five-star resort type experience. That's a- absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean, I remember, you know, paying 40, 50, 60, 70 dollars for, for a hotel. Um, and, and that, wouldn't that be great if you could still do that? But, you know, it's just, it's an example, it's just one example of, of how we're all paying for all of John Tester's spending. We're paying for the Federal Reserve's bailout of all the, the of the banking system. You know, we're paying for, um, we're paying for the FDIC to, to, to pay back all of these rich, rich folks in, in Silicon Valley. And we're doing it through hotel prices that are two, three, four hundred dollars a night here in Montana. Absolutely ridiculous. Um. And then here's another here's another wonderful thing from Joe Biden. Biden indefinitely blocks millions of acres of land and water from future oil drilling. He just did this this weekend. Um, President, this is a Fox News story that was posted this weekend. Biden continues to deliver on the most aggressive climate agenda in American history. Uh, the Biden administration says, and so um, again, that that's going to cause gas prices, energy prices to continue to go up. I don't know how anybody's affording their monthly utilities. Uh, electricity, natural gas prices are, are so high, so expensive, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars every month just for basic utilities at, at a basic house. Um, and that's all because, again, this, this woke agenda, this obsession with man-made global warming. Um, we ought to get into the, we ought to get into the science on, on man-made global warming. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff out there about it. We ought to get into the truth about fossil fuels as well. Um, I've been reading some books lately about how good fossil fuels have been for human beings' well-being, how good it's been for, to help people out, uh, and, and just all the positive things about fossil fuels. We ought to get into that. We ought to get into the, the man-made global warming theories. But Biden going full bore on trying to shut down fossil fuels. This is David Noble. We'll be right back. <laughs> 